0: Good morning to everyone. I'm going to read from Psalms 103, verses 1, right up to verse 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives you of all your iniquities, who heals you of all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit of destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. As we come to the presence of the Lord this morning and as we gather together another Sunday, may it be a beautiful time as we worship Him in spirit and in truth. A word of prayer before we begin. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful Sunday morning and we thank you for this honor and privilege to come before your presence. And we thank you for the utmost honor that we have You in our midst, O God, you are in our midst singing singing praises to the Father, and we thank you, Lord, as we worship you. Help us, sweet Holy Spirit, to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And may your name be glorified as our soul delights in blessing you, Father. In Jesus, our Lord, most precious name, amen. I invite Brother Gideon to lead us into a time of worship.
1: Hi, morning, everyone. Uh, yeah, so indeed, uh, our God is uh, faithful and true. So indeed, we can uh, fully trust in Him. So let's all rise and uh, let's all sing.
2: Okay. Rock of
3: ages, you are faithful and true. You are able to do what you. tower in the time of war, you're healer in the time of sickness, comfort in the time of grief, you're strong stronghold in the time of weakness, a trouble in the time of need. Rock of ages, you are faithful and true, you are able to do what you have promised, rock of ages. You are faithful and just. a time of storm, you're a fortress in a time of struggle, a tower in a time of war, you're a healer in a time of sickness, a comfort in a time of grief, you're a strong. in a time of weakness, a pamphlet in a time of need, rock of ages, you are faithful and true, you are you have promised for Rock of ages You are faithful and true I will always put my trust in You From the rising of the sun To the going down of the same The Lord's name is to be praised of the blood to the going down of the same, the lord's name is to this not- A tower in a time of war. You're a healer in a time of sickness. A cover in a time of grief. You're a strong in a time of weakness. A helper in a time of need for our God.
1: we sing is uh, Shepherd uh, by Light. So before we enter this song um, I would like to ask uh, what is the biggest struggle or fear in your life uh, to sum it all up I think we all can say is uncertainty like huh? things that we cannot control it could be you know your children's uh, future, your grandchildren's future it could be your work it could be your business, it could be your finances it could be a lot of things like this goes on. So, um, or could be your studies as well. So, um, as we sing this song, let's all be reminded that um, even though uh, our future may be very uncertain, which I think most of us may not like it, um, but we all can always uh, hope in God and trust in the Lord that He will lead us and uh, we always can lean on Him, every, when every time it's like, um, life is, can be quite overwhelming at times. So as we sing this song, let's all be encouraged.
3: So I walk through the valley and I can't see the way When the shadows surround me I will not be
2: afraid
3: I know you are with me, you will always provide, though the path may be lonely, you will stay by my side. I will rest my soul, I will trust in
1: Say a prayer unto our mighty God, um, that whatever uh, things that it's um, that in your mind that you like to bring up to the Lord, may this short uh, time before we go to the next song let this be a short time for prayer. You know, uh, surrender a copy comm- a commitment to our God. It could be anything they are struggling with. Uh, it could be anything that you are thankful for. Thankful for, yeah. But this time yeah, here, this, this a few minutes just to pray yeah, to Almighty God.
3: I know I am forgiven. The future sure, the price it has been paid.
1: you, Lord Jesus through you, Lord Jesus, our sins are forgiven. Through you, Lord Jesus, we are free. Through you, Lord Jesus, we can depend on you, we can rely on you, Lord Jesus. Through you, oh God, Jesus, we have the strength to move forward. Through you, Lord Jesus, we have the strength to thrive, Lord, in this world, oh God, Lord. Through you, Lord Jesus, we are bold enough to be Different from this world, oh God, Lord. Lord, as we daily live our life, oh God, Lord, may everyone in this world see us, Lord, as a Christian that you want us to be, oh God, Lord. And we just want to, Lord Jesus, we just want to daily, Lord, be thankful, Lord, for you, oh God, in our lives, oh God, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that. um, at times, Lord, we know that we might uh, not know where we are going, oh God, Lord. But thank you, Lord, that um, you understand our weaknesses, oh God, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that um, you're guiding us, Lord, though we may not know where, oh God, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for showing us every step of the path, oh God, Lord, as we take on the next step in life and, or anything, that decision that we do, oh God, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being there with us daily, oh God, in every moment, oh God. Um we just call me everything to your mighty hands, oh God And thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: again, Judge. We are coming to the Lord's table this morning. And uh, if you don't have the elements with you, just beckon to the ashes. We're going to partake of the Holy Communion together this morning, so I hope that you can hold on to it and do not open it yet. This morning as we come to the Lord's table, it's the table of grace. And as we come to the Lord's table this morning, I would like to encourage you to be still. Speak to your soul this morning. Be still, O my soul. Come to the Lord's table and still our soul before Him. Use this hymn to say these words to your soul as you come to the table. words, and it goes like this. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and to provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, O my soul. Thy best, thy heavenly friend, through thorny ways, leads to a joyful end. Let's think the second stanza. hosts of the table, our dear Lord Himself, who gave Himself for us, who loved us and washed us away from all our sins. Let's turn our eyes to Him and say these words as we sing this song. As we eat this bread, Lord, we remember you.
4: These are our words to Him dream.
0: This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again. Let's partake of the bread and the cup together. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your beloved son, Lord. Lord, we remember you this morning. We remember all that you have done for us, Lord. Thank you for your efficacious blood that never loses its power, Lord. The stains of our sins are washed. The penalty of our sins has been paid for. And Lord, we sing to you, our great Redeemer, We thank you that your blood has been shed and your body has been broken for us that today we can come into your presence, into the new and living way, with boldness, the fullness assurance of faith we come, Lord. And we thank you for that honor and privilege that you have given to us to be called your sons and daughters. So we bless you this morning. Thank you, Father. In Jesus, our Lord, most precious name. Amen. Yeah,
5: the asses be coming to collect you, And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Good morning
0: again, everybody, uh, those who are following us online, as well as those who are here. The title of my sharing this morning is Damascus Encounter, Part 1 of the Manifold Grace of God. We are still in the season of what the church would term as the Eastertide or the time we remember the resurrection of our Lord. And it would be good for us to remind ourselves that our risen Lord and Savior should and can be remembered every day of our lives. And the effectiveness of all that He has accomplished for us is applicable in every aspect of our life. So Damascus' encounter of the manifold grace of God, the portion of Scripture that was read or on the screen just now. Touches on the apostle Paul, or formerly known as Saul, who was persecuting the church, and he was an ardent, ardent follower of the Jewish faith at the time. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and he he was so, what do you call, uh, earnestly, and maybe you would say it's a zeal without knowledge. Sometimes, yeah. And he was so zealous to go after the Christians or the followers of the way, or the followers of Jesus, the Nazareth. And he did all he could to banish them from Jerusalem right up to all the other cities. And now he was heading to Damascus, which is one of the oldest cities in the world still because it's still the capital of Syria. All right, And it's still there. Damascus got its name even during Abraham's time. All right, Abraham was there, and his servant Eliza, or Eliza, was from Damascus. All right, Damascus means well-watered garden because it's an oasis. So the apostle Paul now going through the desert to Damascus because he found out there's a thriving church in Damascus outside of Jerusalem. All right, and he's got letters from the high priest and the chief priest, uh, the, and, and also what you call all the other leaders in Jerusalem to go and bind or to have them bound and brought back to Jerusalem and to deal with them effectively. So you know he was a man of zeal as far as the religion or the Jewish faith is concerned at that time. And he was all out to make sure that the followers of Jesus of the Nazareth will not be on planet Earth. And while he was on his way or journey to Damascus, something happened to him. When he was on his way there, Suddenly, right in the midday, yeah, there was a light brighter than the midday sun. I don't know whether we can imagine that. Because if you are in the desert area, the midday sun is really, really bright and hot. And this is a light, the only way that the, uh, Luke, or Dr. Luke here, can explain it. See, it's brighter than the midday sun. It is so bright until it blinded Paul. It blinded Paul. And Paul was thrown back, and uh, all the people who followed him, they heard a voice, but they couldn't see who it was because it was so bright. Only the apostle Paul saw the Lord, and something happened to him because in the chapter dealing with the resurrection of Christ, Paul inserted something there that looks very mundane, but actually is very, very significant. Because what he says there will tell us, tell you and I where we stand in the grace of God. Because right there in the chapter that is dedicated to the resurrection of Christ, he inserted one of the greatest statements of our faith. That is, by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Now, this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 8 to 11. And he was recounting the people who saw the Lord after his resurrection. Then it was almost like he lamented and he said, the last of all, he was seen by me also. So That means I'm the last person to see the resurrected Lord, which is recorded in the book of Acts chapter 9, which was on the screen just now. As by one born out of due time, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Now comes a statement, but by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace toward me is not in vain. But I labored labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. What the Apostle Paul is saying here, something happened to the Apostle Paul when he saw the risen Christ on the way to Damascus. All right? and, and what happened to him then, very interesting because the story is recounted or retold three times. First, the original rendering in chapter 9 of the book of Acts. Second, in chapter 22, verses 6 to 21, when the Apostle Paul was testifying in front of the Jerusalem congregation. In front of the temple, actually. And then finally, when he was standing in defending himself before King Agrippa, chapter 26, verses 12 to 18. But we do know in chapter 8, verse 3, it is said that Paul made a havoc of the church. Paul created a havoc of the church. This is the Saul who created havoc for the church. Can you imagine? If we somebody is known, this guy is known as the havoc of the church. Wherever he goes, he will create havoc. And Apostle Paul, in all these examples, he explained to all the people what happened to him on the way to Damascus. Now, when you look at the portion of Scripture found in Acts chapter nine, verses one to twenty-five, it tells you one part of the story. Then, when you go over to chapter twenty-two. It tells you another part that is not said in Acts chapter 9. And finally, chapter 26, it gives you the details that you might want to know what really happened to Apostle Paul. And, you know, he said this, I persecuted the church of God. I persecuted the church of God. And this you'll find in chapter 26, eh? verses 9 to 12. He said, I shut them up in prison. I consented to their death. And you know he consented to one person's death. Who is that? Stephen, remember? And according to Apostle Paul, he's also responsible to the many deaths of other Christians. Read Acts chapter 26. He will say that to King Agrippa. I consented to all their deaths. That means I am the one who gave the approval for them to be killed. Then he said, I punished them in every synagogue. I forced them to blaspheme the name of Jesus. I was exceedingly mad at them. Then he said this, I persecuted them even in strange cities. Do you know something? Until today when Christians are being persecuted, the same pattern follows. The same pattern follows. Those who are zealous... To persecute Christians will always follow this pattern. And here, Apostle Paul is saying that I was all out to create havoc for the church. And there, on the road to Damascus, something happened to me. And what happened to me on the road to Damascus is the whole reason why I'm declaring to you Corinthian believers, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I am like one Born out of due time, why I became the least to see the Lord, the risen Lord, like one born out of due time. Now the word due, born out of due time, in the original is as one who is to be aborted or miscarriage. That means one who is supposed to go through the process of miscarriage or abortion to be aborted. That's how I feel like, and he say, "I am the least of all the apostles." And then he stressed again, I'm not worthy to be called an apostle at all. And yet, he appeared to me. And when he appeared to me, that's when you get the statement, church. By the grace of God, I am what I am. When he saw the risen Lord on his way to Damascus, Paul's eyes were blinded for three days he didn't eat or drink. All he knew was, the Lord told him, a man by the name of, name of Ananias, or Ananias will come to see you. He will lay his hand upon you. You will receive your eyesight. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. The same time receive the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 9, it was as if scales dropped off from his eyes. And he could see when Ananias laid his hands upon him. But what the Apostle Paul was experiencing in the three days, very interesting. Sometimes I find it strange. In the Bible, every now and then three days, right? Every now and then three days. eh? There's something about three days. Paul died and he rose again on the third day because his eyes could see. He sang the amazing grace song, I was blind and now I could see. Three days later, he said, I could see now. And what was the scale that dropped off from him? he will explain later on, but something about the grace of God when the Lord appeared to him. In Acts chapter 9, when the Lord appeared to him, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then the Lord explained to him. This is what Apostle Paul explained later on in Acts chapter 26. eh? He said, I have appeared to you for this purpose, Saul. And for this purpose, the Lord, the reason Lord appeared to Paul. And he said this, by the way, Saul is his original name, right? Paul means in Latin, small, little. Small, little, that's what it means. Can you imagine you change your name from a grand name was the name of the king of Israel, Saul. Then you change to Paul, little. You know why Paul did that? And he was so glad that his name, we do not know when he changed his name, but we do know when the Lord started calling him Paul. Paul. You are little, you are small in the eyes of everyone, but not in the eyes of God. And when the Lord appeared to him, he said this, Paul, Saul, this is what I have in mind for you. You You're supposed to be a minister. You're supposed to be a witness for me. And now I sent you. And he said this, I send you to open the eyes of the blind. Remember, he was blinded for three days. I send you to open their eyes. And what the opening of their eyes means? It means to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Then he said this, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. What was the Lord telling him? Something happened to the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine? You create create a havoc for the church. You are what the church... Because Ananias told the Lord when the Lord appeared to him in the dream... Ananias, go and see this man, Paul. He said, Saul, he said, Lord, no way. No way I'm going to see this man. He is known for destroying your followers. Why should I go and see him? And you know, sometimes the Lord does not argue or negotiate with us. He just said, probably the tone changed, I think. Ananias, go. And he went. (laughs) And he went, because he's a chosen vessel of mine. And this is what happened, because... While the Lord is dealing with Paul, he's also dealing with Ananias. And while he's dealing with Ananias, he's communicating to both of them. Notice, Ananias saw the Lord in a dream. Paul had the Lord's visitation also, telling Paul that the name, that this guy by the name of Ananias will come and see you. How God will orchestrate a lot of things eh? to help him understand. And God is a good, oh, he's really, really beyond Explanation when it comes to orchestrating things. eh? He can orchestrate and you will see it in the whole book of Acts. And when Ananias appeared to him. Church, Ananias means Yah or Yahweh has shown grace. Can you know, can you imagine? You know, Apostle Paul said eh, uh, in chapter 12 or chapter 26, he said this. Do you know that when this Jesus of Nazareth appeared to me, he spoke in Hebrew? Now, that's a big thing eh? because Jesus rarely speaks in Hebrew. He speaks in Aramaic. That's why people in Judea will know that you're from Galilee because you're heavily accented. You speak the Aramaic language. All right, when he was in the cross, when he healed the little girl, he said, Tabitha, kumi. that's Aramaic. That's not Hebrew. When he hung on the cross and he said, Elahi Elihi, what do you call, what do you call, that's Aramaic. That's why they thought he was calling on Elijah. Because they didn't know he was calling on what you call God in the Aramaic language. But here, to the Apostle Paul, he spoke Hebrew. He spoke Hebrew to them. And you know something? Because the Apostle Paul is a Pharisee of Pharisees. For them, God only speaks Hebrew. For them, God only speaks Hebrew. And here, the Lord has a beautiful way of dealing with him outside of Israel, in Damascus, and spoke Hebrew to him. Good sense of humor. Huh? Good sense of humor. And he said, you know, Paul, this is what I have for you in mind. And he said, Lord, is that you? And He said, yeah, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And to the Galatians, the apostle Paul said, what happened to him on the road to Damascus? In Galatians chapter 1, Verses 15 to 17, he said this It pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. He said, That day, God called me by his grace. He called me by his grace to reveal his son in me. He saw the son on the road to Damascus. He was blinded. But he said, something happened to me on that road. He revealed his son in me. My eyes at last could see the Messiah. My eyes at last could see him as the son of God. And you will know from the account of Acts chapter 6, chapter 9, that immediately he went to the synagogues and argued with them that Jesus is the son of God. This is the man who thought or who forced the Christian to blaspheme and say he is not the Son of God. And now he is fighting in the synagogue or arguing in the synagogue and telling them he is the Son of God because the grace of God revealed the Son of God in him and he began to see who Jesus really is. Therefore he said, all the wordings are running there, huh? Not to show why the words are running there. Therefore, King Agrippa, this is in chapter 26, when he was standing before the king, he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. No that means a church. He saw on the vision the risen Christ. But what happened to you, church? He experienced the grace of God. And he said, King Agrippa, now I am standing before you because I carry the message of the gospel of the grace of God. Because of that, I am being charged and I am being sent from one head to another, from Festus now to you. And next will be the Caesar himself who will eventually be Paul. And he said this, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. What heavenly vision is this? It is the gospel of the grace of God that he preached. And the Jews couldn't stand him for that reason it is the gospel of the grace of God that Paul said is available even for the Gentiles. And for that, King Agrippa, I want you to know that I will not be disobedient. In fact, Festus and Agrippa also said, hey Paul, you nearly convinced us, no? You nearly convinced us no, with all these things because Paul also spoke about other aspects. Eh? Now church, I want you to say this, yeah? The Apostle Paul, it's a very interesting person. You know why? Up to the time he went home to be with the Lord, he considered listen to me very carefully. He considered himself a sinner. He considered himself a sinner. Now when he made this statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 9, I am the least of the apostles and I should not I'm not fit to be called an apostle. Somewhere in AD 61 when he was writing to the believers in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter three, verse eight, he said this, to me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to proclaim to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. I am the very least of the saints, he said. And then, in the 80s, between AD 63 to 66, he was probably beheaded in AD 67 or 68 by Nero the emperor, and this is, his last epistle to Timothy. Timothy chapter, 1 Timothy and second Timothy is the last epistle of the Apostle Paul. Alright, and he said this, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Listen, he didn't say I was foremost of all. He said I am foremost of all. So he's what? Is the Apostle Paul having difficulty with? <laughs> What's the problem with Paul? <laughs> what is the problem with him? He's still struggling with his sin? He still can't accept the forgiveness of the Lord? What happened to him? What happened to the Apostle Paul? Why another two years to be behaved this? This is the great Apostle Paul. Huh? We're not talking about... We're not talking about Mark Phile, nothing. (laughs) We're talking about the great Apostle Paul. He's saying, Christ Jesus came to die for sinners of which I am the foremost or the chief of them all. What on earth is this church? Sometimes we saints forgot or forget that we were sinners. You want to know how we forgot or we forget that we were sinners? The way we condemn other sinners. The way we condemn other sinners sometimes tells us that we have forgotten we were sinners before. And you know what? Here, what Paul is saying is this. When I look at the grace of God, every time I look at this immense, unfathomable grace of God, it just tells me again and again how much God, loves me and He has forgiven me and cleansed me, that until today, the grace of God makes me realize that without the grace of God, I am still a sinner. And because of the grace of God, I am saved. I am a saint. I am an apostle. But all those titles doesn't mean anything. Because of the grace of God alone, I am what I am. Not the titles, not the anointing, not all the things, Is it? is the grace of God. And I labor all the more, compared to all the other apostles, because of the grace of God. It is the grace of God from beginning to end. That's why he said, sometimes I feel like I'm a sinner because it's the grace of God, nothing to do with me. This is the greatest example of a man who understands salvation is not by works of men. Salvation is not by works of men. Now, you must remember, he's a Pharisee of Pharisees. They have a point system. Do you know you have a point system? Point system means every good deeds you do according to the Torah or according to the, what do you call, the Jewish, the five books, first five books or the the rabbinic stuff like the Mishnah and Talmud and all that. If you follow them, you get points. So if you tithe, you tithe your money, you get one bigger point. If you tithe your, your spices, then you get smaller points. But you get points for everything you do. Sounds familiar? Sounds familiar? You get Point, point system, huh? And he, calling himself Pharisee of Pharisees, he's got a lot of points. He has scored all the points, really. That's why he's so zealous in destroying the church. Because he thinks, the more I persecute and kill them, I get higher points. Sounds familiar again? And because of this point system, that whatever they do, they think they they, they, they get points and they accumulate points in heaven. That is the salvation by works. When he met the risen Lord on the way to Damascus, the point system was turned upside down. He suddenly saw that the grace of God has got nothing to do with point system. You cannot earn your salvation. You cannot earn your salvation. It turned everything upside down. I think that's why maybe probably he didn't eat and drink for three days. Because he just couldn't take it. He just couldn't take it. The Bible didn't say he was fasting. The Bible says he didn't eat and drink for three days. He was blind. He just couldn't take it what happened. And he met the risen Lord. And he understood the grace of God. And he said this, The Son of God was revealed in me. Church, If you and I know that we are called by the grace of God, we will know the Son of God in us, not so much of hate knowledge. And when I know Him in my heart, He said, I'm able to preach Him to the nations. So what is the grace of God? Somebody came up with a a smart statement. Grace means God's riches at Christ's expense. That means God is kind toward us, the richness of His kindness and favor towards us is at Christ's expense. That's what grace means. But grace is always translated as the unmerited favor of God towards us. And always it full stop there. Unmerited means unearned. Unearned means undeserved favor of God. But do you know something, church? That's not what it is. One shouldn't stop and say it is the unmerited favor or undeserved or unearned favor of God. One should go on and say, the unmerited favor of God towards us through the merit or the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because in the Old Testament, there's no such thing as unmerited favor of God. You don't follow the law, death. You go and commit adultery, stone. You go and do something wrong at the tabernacle, stone. They, they, they don't, there's no two, there are two ways about it. All right, they can show mercy. Mercy means the misery of the sufferer. One extends kindness, but they will never show grace. You do wrong, you pay for it. That's why they have eye for an eye, tooth for a a tooth. But the grace of God is totally different because it came through the merit of the work of Christ. Without Christ, there's no such thing as the grace of God. There's no such thing as the grace of God. All right? But there is such thing called... We will come to it later on, yeah? But do you all understand this part? The grace of God is the unmerited favor or kindness of God towards us. Something that we don't deserve. But because of what Christ has done for us, the grace of God comes to you and I. And that's what the Apostle Paul understood that day. You know, the writer of this hymn, Amazing Grace, John Newton... You know, he was a slave trader, he was a drunkard, he was a sailor, he was, you know, selling slaves, transporting them from Africa to back to UK and all that. Huh? Somewhere along the way, he met the Lord. And when he met the Lord, again like the Apostle Paul, everything turned upside down. And he wrote the great hymn, Amazing Grace. And when he wrote that song or that hymn, you know what? He said this, eh? he said, I am not what I am. I am not what I ought to be or what I want to be. But he said this, I am not what I used to be. That is the key. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. He's no more that slave trader, the wicked guy, the sailor has got mercy on other, no mercy to, towards others. He said, I am not what I used to be because of the grace of God. And our righteousness is in Him. Our hope depends not upon the exercise of grace in us, but upon the fullness of grace and love in Him and upon His obedience unto death. It takes a person who goes through what it means, not deserving the grace of God, to understand and to write these words. If one understands the grace of God, they will write words like this, because it is so dependent on Christ on his merit, not on ours, which is nothing at all. Now, you have amazing grace, but you also have the effacing grace. Efface means to erase. And there is an erasing grace, and that is called the cheap grace. The cheap grace. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the man who stood against Hitler and was killed just probably a few more months before Germany, I mean, the German loss uh, to the Allied powers. And he said this, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ. This man knows what he's saying. And then another person went, Hevner said this, we have suffered from the preaching of cheap grace. Grace is free, but it is not cheap. People will take anything that is free, but they are not interested in discipleship. They will take Christ as Saviour, but not as Lord. So what we are trying to do is trying to understand that grace is costly. Grace is not cheap. Grace is costly. It costs the life of God. God did not spare the life of His own beloved Son because He loved us so much. And there He demonstrated the grace of God. Now, out of 131 times that the Bible uses the word or the term grace in the English Standard Version, eh? 124 times found in the New Testament, obviously. In the Old Testament, there's no such thing as grace. All right? Very limited. Very, very limited. And even if they appear, they're quite prophetic. They're more prophetic than practical. Right? Out of the 124 times, Apostle Paul, that is two-thirds, huh, wrote about grace. Why? By now we should know, isn't it? Why Apostle Paul was the man who wrote most about grace. He understood what grace is. John wrote about it. Peter wrote about it. But not as extensive and as connected to his own personal walk like the Apostle Paul. And that is the power of of the grace of God in you and I, church. That is the power of the grace of God when it works in you and I. And that the Apostle Paul is able to see it. Now, church, there are two sides to a coin. And grace, the other side of grace is truth. Now, this is uh, rather basic, but it's important for us to remind ourselves there are two sides of the coin. And the coin here, we are talking about grace. So one side of the coin, you see grace, the other side of the con, you should see truth. Why? Because in John chapter 1, verses 16 to 17, it is said, out of his fullness, when the word became flesh, in verse 14. Here in verse 16, it says, out of his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This is important. Because the law here implies truth, but not fully the truth. And it is said that it is harsh. But here, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now when you see grace and truth, you have to understand as Christians that grace and truth goes together. And this is where the Apostle Paul, in all his writings, he will address both and the misunderstanding that has come about on grace and truth. Now, there's a tension of the two. Imagine yourself on a suspension bridge. You know the suspension bridge, like our Penang Bridge? Penang Bridge is a suspension bridge, though it uses cable, all right? If you know the suspension bridge, the bridge is held by the cable or whatever that they're using, all right? Not so much the foundation. So if you can imagine a suspension bridge, imagine the two poles there going down, becoming like the foundation of that bridge, one of it is grace, the other one is truth. Now can you see the red color? The red color is all the tension, because it holds one. And you know that bridge is not static, eh? It's not fixed, it's flexible. If, if certain days you sit down, when we were in USM, USM is on a mount on a hill. So we sit down on the hill and we can see the bridge moving. You can see the bridge moving? Eh? And people are used to it really. When the strong wind comes, especially a gust that comes through the, what do you call a straight, sir, and then you can see the bridge moving slow and steady. It's like a spectacle for all of us to sit down and watch. Why? Because the tension is held by the compression that is the two grace and truth. You know, in our walk with God, it's like that. Everything, the tension in our walk with God, in our spiritual walk, is held. By the grace and truth of God. So what happens when you slant towards grace? Everything is grace. Everything is. What happens? The truth part of it will cause the bridge to to shake. So when you move towards grace, it becomes liberal grace. You know what's liberal grace? Liberal grace is what the apostle Jude And Peter says, as licentiousness, when they turn the grace of God or pervert the grace of God, yes, the grace of God can be perverted. Go and read Jude. Jude, go one chapter only, verse 4. It says, when you pervert the grace of God, it becomes licentiousness. That means license to do immorality, license to do all kinds of sins. Yep, the grace of God can be perverted to be licensed to do all kind of evil things. That's what the Apostle Jude said. Jude chapter one verse four, and as well as the Apostle Peter. So we have that. Do you have this problem now? Yes, we do. In the Christendom or in the Christian circle, there is those who subscribe to liberal grace. Everything is grace. Everything in life is grace. Aya, uh, you so susala. Talk, talk about sin. Do not. No need to talk about sin. Talk about God's grace. That's when the breach will collapse, because there's the other part of the breach is called the truth. Truth and grace cannot be separated, though they can be distinguished. They cannot. The truth of God demands justice. The grace of God provides mercy. The truth of God will demand justice, and the Grace of God becomes a channel for his mercy. And this is what happens, church. But then the apostle Paul comes from the other end of the pendulum. He comes from this truth part, the law. So you have the legal grace or the legalistic grace. Unless you do certain things, then you have the grace of God available to you. If you don't do, you won't have the grace of God available to you. And that was his struggle. Because there were a group of priests and Pharisees who became believers. And they said, no, 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 no. Just Jesus alone is not enough. They have to be circumcised. Get them all circumcised, their salvation is assured. Now, Apostle Paul comes from that background and he said, no. That's not what it is. It's Christ. It's Christ, the source of grace and truth. You look to Him. He is the one who gives us eternal salvation. He is the one church. So church, where are you today? Are you struggling between liberal grace on one corner or to the legal grace on the other corner or trying to sway in between or caught in the state of limbo, neither there nor here, suspended somewhere in the middle there? Where are we? It's very simple. The Bible says grace and truth comes Through Jesus Christ, understanding both, understanding Him, we can understand what salvation is all about. Do you know it's important for us to know that grace is integrated, right? It's covenantal. That means God had a covenant with us. It is also contextual. You know, grace is very difficult to define. In the New Testament, grace is very difficult to define because it's contextual. You must read the context properly. When you read the context, you know this grace is related to something else. It's not the salvation grace or the saving grace, which we will look at in a while's time. Grace sometimes comes on a communal, as a community of believers. Sometimes it's very personal. Personal. Paul said, I have this thorn in the flesh. I cried out to God, take away, take away. We don't know what the thorn in the flesh is all about. And then the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. That's personal. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. That's personal. And sometimes grace is fully practical or functional. But grace comes with many facets. It has the sovereign grace of God. This is where you find it in the Old Testament. God chose to show grace. Hannah, Samuel's, Prophet Samuel's mother, a name by itself means the grace of Yahweh. God showed grace to Hannah when she pleaded before the temple and cried out to God, I want a son, I want a child. God showed grace to her. And you know what? That is this saving grace that every now and then in the New Testament you look at it, you know it's the saving grace that Apostle Paul is talking about based on the salvation of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Then you have the serving grace. Uh-huh. In the weeks ahead, if the Lord permits, we will touch on this serving grace. Grace given to you and I to serve. And people misunderstand all the time, this serving grace. Then you have the sustaining grace that God provides. And these are all, and there are many, many more others. And, but these are the things that God provides to His people, to His church. And He provides to you and I. And this is the grace of God in you and I. But let me tell something, church. The Council of Jerusalem it's the most important council that happened in the history of the church. If Acts chapter 15 is not there, today we will all be wearing talit, we will be all facing Jerusalem and we pray. Alright, that's our kibbutz. Alright, we will all have to do Jewish stuff. The council of Jerusalem, which was led by the Holy Spirit, was the turning point of the history of the church. Here was a man who was a Pharisee who struggled all his life to defend the law, who saw the risen Christ and experienced his grace for real. And now when he's preaching to the Gentiles, a group of Christian formerly priests or Pharisees or Levites or whatever, all right, they came and they said, no, you have to be circumcised, you have to follow the law, even though if you are a Gentile. Here, the Council of Jerusalem, they decided once and for all, for you and I, and it seemed good to the Holy Spirit, it seemed good to everyone. And this is what it was. It is said that they debated, they argued, all kinds of things happened until the Apostle James, who is the elder brother of the Lord, stood up i oh, sorry, he was a younger brother of the Lord, stood up and said this. And he said this. Why do we want to put a yoke on the Gentiles, you and I? Why? We can't. Our fathers failed to carry the yoke. Even our fathers couldn't bear those burdens. Why do we want to put it there? And then came the, came the fantastic statement. Huh? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. They means the Gentiles. Acts fifteen eleven. You can cross-reference it with all those verses down there. Church, listen. We are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus. You know what happened in the council? They narrowed down the grace of God to a person. The Lord Jesus. Henceforth, in the New Testament, you will only find the expression, grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace of the Lord Jesus. Because in this council, by the help of the Holy Spirit, they discovered that the grace of God is through the Lord Jesus alone. Amen? Amen. And church, I want to say this. The grace, the Damascus grace, I can use that term, was this what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9 says For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We are saved through grace, by, by grace through faith, and this is a gift. From God to you and I. And when did it happen? When did that grace come to us? Did you know that we all died according to the scripture? According to the scripture, we are all dead. Imagine Christ, the only living one, comes to the earth. All he saw were people dead in trespasses. The Bible says we were all dead in our trespasses. But he made us alive together in Christ. And by grace, you and I have been saved. Now, why do I need to go back to the basics? This is very basic, isn't it? Why do we need to go back? Because people misunderstand the grace of God. And when they misunderstand the grace of God, it is easy for us to be deceived either way, with a legalistic grace or with a liberal grace. And it is important that we understand where we stand in the grace of God. Paul was dead in his trespasses when he was on the road to Damascus. And he knew he was dead. And he knew that day he was safe and made alive when he met the resurrected Savior. And he said, by his grace, I am safe. So let me summarize. I'm going to close. Let me summarize. And I will use... Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, to summarise whatever that I've been saying this morning. And it's like this. It is grace at the beginning and grace at the end. So that when you and I come to lie upon our deathbeds, the one thing that should comfort and help and strengthen us is the thing that helped us in the beginning. And what helped us in the beginning is this. Not what we have been, not what we have done but the grace of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. The Christian life starts with grace. It must continue with grace. It ends with grace. Grace, wondrous grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. This is one of the great preachers in the UK. And he knows what it is. It is the grace of God that will lead us on and the grace of God that will bring us from one step of glory to another. And this is another part of the scripture in the Old Testament where the word grace appears. Psalms 34 verse 1 says, The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. That day when the Damascus sun was eclipsed, By the risen son of righteousness, something happened. Paul understood grace and glory. They go hand in hand, just like Jonathan Edward, the great awakening, what you call revival, he said, grace is but glory begun, and glory is but grace perfected. Paul is the only apostle who is able to reconcile both. He said, when you see the grace of God you will experience the glory of God. Because on the road to Damascus, he saw the glory of God, the glory of the risen Son. And in that glory was imparted to him the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, shouldn't we rejoice that we have the sun of righteousness shining on us? And when this sun shines on us, it shines on us not only the glory of God, but the grace of God. And day in, day out, we are perfected. We are perfected in this grace. Christ in you is the hope of glory. That's what the Apostle Paul said to the believers in Colossae. It said Christ in us is the hope of glory. And let me end. Do you know, in the Old Testament, there's a priestly blessing. Right? The Lord God May the Lord God and His face shine upon you and His peace be with you and so on, right? In the New Testament, it took a twist Really, No more there. It goes, it's narrowed down straight to the grace. And one of it is found in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Sometimes we sing, sometimes we end the service. We will say this. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit, three in one, be with you all. Amen. That is the benediction of the church. Why is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all? The second person of the Trinity is where the grace and the truth comes from. And then the whole history of man written in the book of Revelation ends with this. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. It's not just a statement, church. It is a power-packed ending. It is to say that from beginning to end, it is the grace of our Lord that will carry us from one point to the other. Amen. And the week ahead, as the Lord permits, we're going to look to the other aspects of grace that God has given to us that we need to understand how it operates. And we need to look to Him and understand fully what He is trying to communicate with us. You know, when you think about the grace of God morning like this, my heart is drawn to say thank you to the Lord. You know, one way we can respond is to say thank you to Him, Lord. It's good to hear Assurance from the scripture It's good to hear God Strengthening us Through his word It's good to know That we are here By the grace of God It's good to know That if you are not here And you are with the Lord It's all because Of the grace of God It's good to know That whoever we are It's because of The grace of God Another word That the Bible uses For the word grace Is goodness it is used interchangeably. When it's said about the goodness of God, it's actually about the grace of God. His goodness is because of He chose to be graceful, or gracious unto us. I pray that for everyone of us here, we will look to the Lord and say, Lord, you are gracious to me, Lord. Some of us think that God is harsh towards you. He's not. He's gracious towards us. He's very gracious towards us. How can He not be gracious towards us when He didn't even spare His own beloved Son and gave Him up all for us? And when we think about Him, we just want to be thankful.
3: I've known you
4: as a father, I've known you as a friend, I have
0: lived in the goodness of God. May I invite you to stand together. God is available this morning.
2: The Son of
0: righteousness has risen with healings oh, in his
2: healing His Healing for every one of us. Head.
0: Healing for our spirit, man, Woman our, our soul and our body.
2: Until I my
0: the light day, of the risen Savior shines upon each and every one of us. Oh, we give thanks to you, Lord. Such a good God.
4: All my life, you have. grace of God is running after
0: goodness us. Running after, he's running after me. me. The psalmist says, Oh, my cup overflows. Your goodness and your mercy follows me, oh God. Church this morning, the goodness of God will overflow. Oh, let our cup overflow with the goodness and the grace of God. This is running up up to up to after, he's running
4: after me, Your goodness is running out, is running after me. Yes, oh Lord, your goodness is running out, is running after me. You laid down your life, you did it all, you gave us everything. Your goodness is running out, is running after me.
0: All my life You have been faithful Morning by morning, Lord Your mercies are new All my life You have been so, so
4: good With every breath that I am able, I will see Of the goodness of God I will see. The
0: goodness of God. Go ahead, church. Thank Him. Thank for the grace of God. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your grace, Lord. Grace flowing this morning. Church, the way to the throne of grace is open. The way to the throne of grace is open. Oh, you and I need the mercy and the grace of God in time of need. Come, come boldly to the throne of grace. This morning, we invite you, come to the throne of grace. Grace is available. Mercy is available for every one of us. No one, no one is discounted. Every one of us, come to the throne of grace. Receive the grace of God. Receive the mercy of God.
4: Have the grace of God flow.
0: Open your heart, Church. Receive the grace of God. Do not leave this place until you know that the grace of God has met with you. Your time of need. God knows your time of need, and his grace is available. His mercies flows this morning. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Flow, Lord, in our hearts. Flow, Lord, in our hearts, we ask of you. Hallelujah.
4: Flow, Lord. Flow, Lord. Flow in our hearts. Oh, grace of God. Oh, wonderful grace of God. Sweep every heart. Sweep every
2: heart.
4: Oh, river of God. Oh, river of God. Flowing with the grace of God. Flowing with the grace of God. Oh, the grace of God. Flowing from the throne of grace. Oh, the grace of God. Flowing from the throne to every heart. The spirit of grace and truth the spirit of grace and truth, sweep our hearts, sweep our hearts. sweep our hearts, oh Lord, with your grace and truth, set us free, set us free. Set us free by your truth And fill us with your grace again Break every bondage Every yoke of oppression Oh, every work that is not Of your spirit, let it be broken Break every oppression Break every pain And set your people free, Lord Set your people free O oh, grace of God O oh, grace of God Grace of God Come flow through us Oh, grace of God, oh, grace of God, come set us free, shine in every heart, oh, grace of God, oh, grace of God, through your Son. You made it available, flow through each and every one of us, and set us free, Lord, set us free, Lord, set us free. free.
0: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. Your grace through your beloved son, Lord, is available to each and every one of us here, Lord. Every lie of the enemy, every deception that cuts off or that seemingly cuts off your grace from your people. Church, listen to my heart very carefully. There are people here who have deep bitterness in them. And the scripture is very clear. Bitterness, the gall of bitterness, cuts off the grace of God. It cuts off the grace of God. There are some of you who allowed this bitterness to be a gall within you. This morning, God is speaking to you. Only you, only you can take away that call of bitterness and allow the grace of God to flow through in your life. It's as simple as forgiving someone who has caused this bitterness. It's as simple as forgiving the situations in your life that has brought you into this bitterness. It is as simple as looking to the Lord and saying, Lord, I need your grace. I need your grace in my life. And if the Lord is speaking to you this morning, deal with it, Judge. Deal with it. Because God always wants his grace to flow through you. He doesn't want anything to cut off his grace. Let His grace flow to you again, church. Let's have a moment before the Lord. If you refuse to forgive others, your Heavenly Father will not forgive you. Forgive others, and your Heavenly Father will forgive you. Why carry Why carry that unforgiveness within us? Look to him, church. He doesn't want his grace to be cut off. Let his grace flow through you again. And it is available for each and every one of us. Thank you, sweet Holy Spirit. Help us, O Spirit of grace. Oh, Spirit of truth, help us. Help us, we ask of you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that it's not by our work of righteousness, it's not by what we have done or what we have not done, but because of your grace, Lord. We thank you. We come to the foot of the cross this morning. We know, Lord, there we find your grace. And we pray we will see you, the risen Lord, in our hearts, setting us free, Lord. And let your grace flow through each and every one of us. We thank you that your grace is more than enough for us, Lord. Thank you that your grace is made perfect in our weaknesses, Lord. Your power is made perfect in our weaknesses, Lord. We thank you for that grace. Oh Lord, we cannot live without your grace. And we ask of you this morning, every day of our lives, as we come before your throne of grace, Lord, that we may obtain your mercy and find grace to help in time of need, Lord. We have so many times of needs, Lord. And we need your grace. We need your mercy. And we thank you That you are so liberal in providing your grace to us, so generous, so magnanimous, Lord. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for that grace. We ask of you, both those who are seated here and those who are following the service online, whatever their needs are be it a healing, be it a financial struggle, be it a relationship struggle we ask of you, Lord. Lord, Send us your grace, O God. Send your grace, O God, to that situation, to that need in our lives, O God. Send your grace, Lord. And show us that in our weakness is your power made perfect because of your grace. And Lord, our boasting is in you, not in us. Not unto us, Lord, not unto us, but to thy name give glory. Because of your grace, because of your mercy and truth so we thank you this morning for your grace and we thank you lord that your grace is available for each and every one of us oh we thank you lord thank you father in jesus our lord most beautiful name the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you all and there will be our coffee fellowship on the first floor